Blessed Savior and King of Glory, Almighty King, you who has promised us that if the power of he who resurrected Jesus Christ out of the dead dwells on our inside, then he who resurrected Christ Jesus out of the dead shall give life unto our mortal bodies through the power of the Spirit of God that dwells in us. We want to pray that we shall continue experiencing the power of your resurrection because unselfishly and bountifully you're willing to put that in our lives and we actually already have that in our lives, O oh God. We pray that you'll enable us never to grieve the Spirit of God that dwells on our inside so that we are able to experience the full resurrection power of Christ that we shall have and live in the full meaning of his resurrection in our lives. Father, I pray for joy I pray for uh, your presence and establishment in our lives because Christianity and faith in Christ is a very real thing that should be an ever-present help in our times of trouble, in our challenges, in our direction, and everything that we are going to do. Bless us even as we learn today. In Jesus' name, we have prayed and believed. And all the people say, Amen, Amen, Amen. A blessed, blessed day. Uh, my dear brother, my dear sister, wherever you are, it's been quite some time, but it's a wonderful time to be back once again uh, doing our fellowships, doing our studies and teachings in line with uh, the resurrection power of Christ, you know, when he died and resurrected in history. And right now, even as we are reminded of the same fact, uh, so we are back in our fullness of life. And that is what we want to be talking about here. I have a young boy at home, the one that has been acting as the last born. Uh, now he has been toppled out of that office. <laughs> the boy is about four years, but he loves the statement. There is a statement he loves that he keeps making. You're talking to him and then he goes like, Katimbu, Katimbuchi. Uh, now what? If you tell him something, he's like, Daddy, now you're going, now what? Yeah? He's like, Mbuchi. So after what we've been through, then what? I want to ask the same question. Now, uh, following the resurrection of Christ, now what? Eh? <laughs> now what is going to follow? After Christ has resurrected, after we, we've actually, this is a um, uh, uh, something that we um, reminisce or something that we remember. Uh, so we look back to the resurrection of Christ because it is something that happened in history. Yeah, in space and time, it really happened. But now we, we go right ahead and we ask, now that we celebrate uh, or now that you've celebrated the resurrection of Christ Jesus, so then what? What's going to happen? Christianity hangs around the resurrection of Christ. Let me tell you, it is the most important thing that ever happened unto us. For the fact that if Christ had promised to die, or just like he died, if he hadn't resurrected, friends, he would have been a liar. He would have been weak. Uh, death would still have been much more powerful than he is. And therefore, we want to look at um, a theme the whole of this week, um, the practical uh, implication or the power and a practical implication of the resurrection of Christ in our daily living and challenges the power and practical implication of the resurrection of Christ in our daily life and challenges. You know, we basically ask, now that Christ has resurrected, then what in our lives? What does it mean? Oftentimes you look at Christianity and um, Christians are like, you would look at the crested crane. In Uganda, the crested crane is one of our national symbols of honor and friends. 
it is a capital offense if you um caught in possession of this bird illegal possession of this bird um you know you, you cannot shoot it you cannot kill it because it is on our coat of arms it is one of our national symbols but friends like we say there someday where do you find uh, the crested crane you're going to find it in swamps you're going to find it in in shrubs outside there on the periphery of society that is where you're going to find it but when you look at the marab stock <laughs> in my language is called kaloli it's a very dirty pathetic bird you know uh, you're going to find it in town as a matter of fact there are times you even found it at the parliament of uganda can you imagine and it excretes there and its excreta is is actually um toxic it's very smelly you find it it has something like a bag like a handbag you find it going to town <laughs> you see that kind of paradox but the crested crane that is a national symbol a bird that can easily um you know cause a traffic jam or cause traffic to come to a standstill when it is crossing kampala road is is the, is 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 the crested crane but you don't find it in town and oftentimes christians are like that we've gotten the greatest power that they could ever be and that is the power of the resurrection of christ on our inside because romans 8 11 says that and now if the power of him who resurrected christ jesus dwells in you then the one who resurrected christ uh the one who resurrected christ shall give life to your mortal bodies by the holy spirit who dwells in you are you seeing that the same power that resurrected christ resides on our inside power that shattered rocks and brought forth uh, dead men hitherto dead men to life the same power resides on our inside but then we continue living pathetically you know looking down upon ourselves complaining grumbling not living in the fullness of life you know this is what we want to look at what does the resurrection of christ mean then how then must we live how then should we live if the greatest of power has been made manifest in our lives or has been made available unto us why do we continue to live um, like dead men, why should we continue living under a lot of sorrow? Why must we continue living under a lot of questions? And, you know, depending on the, uh, the world as well, and we look up to the world, we are like, we want to be like them because we think we are going to derive our satisfaction and joy from the world. Why must we live like that? And yet we have the greatest of powers in us. We have the fullness of life in us. You see, oftentimes Christians are looking up to the world, you see, to, to help them. You've often heard people crying out when there's a disaster or concern, and they are saying, Mama Fina, Mama Fina, Jangotu Yami. And this is a hidden lady. You see, we oftentimes judge ourselves in terms of the world, in the perspective of the world. And yet, uh, the world should be looking at us to um, define um, the true meaning of life. Our uh, friends, today I'm laying um, um, a foundation and I'm taking quite some time. What I'm going to do is, I'm going to do a passage. Permit me to do a passage right now in First Peter, um, in First Peter chapter uh, chapter one, and I'm just going to do um, uh, one verse, uh, verse three. I could do four and five as well in the interest of time, but in this interest of time, if I don't, I could just manage verse three. The Bible says, "Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope." We have that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead 
Let me do these other verses also. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance, I don't like NIV on these. I think NASB would have been better. But let me just do this because this is what I have. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Now, friends, Peter is writing to a group of believers that are scattered, if you go to verse 1, that are scattered all over. He's writing about 34 years after the death and resurrection of Christ, about 34 years. And Christianity was taking root, and uh, they were viewed as people that were different from the others. And what happened was that there was a lot of persecution in those days that was sponsored by a Roman emperor called Nero, who had burnt down Rome for his great zeal of construction. Uh, he felt like he needed to reconstruct this city. So what he did was he burnt it down, totally down and raised it down. Why? So he could reconstruct it. Now, in the process, uh, there are many heathen people that lost their idols in the infernal and... Um, you know, their culture, heritage, their cultural heritage was also lost in there. Now, when Nero um, discerned that there was going to be a terrible backlash unto him, people were, uh, you know, nearly revolting and there was an uprising. And then what Nero did was that he said, you know what? What has just happened is that um, um, the Christians burnt up the city. They burnt up your gods. They burnt up, you see? Now, what happened was that um, people turned against um, the Christians and they were staking them. Do, do you know what it means to simply get you and stake you? Like, alive and you, you have been dipped into oil and then you set ablaze. Can you imagine what sort of fire, uh, what sort of pain uh, could have come to the, the people of God in this fire? You see that? So, what happened was that uh, many people suffered, many Christians, and so they ended up getting scattered. And that is why he starts by saying, Peter, an apostle of Christ, unto uh, the aliens scattered all over um, Pont Pontus, Cappadocia, Bithynia, Galatia, even the Galatian church. All these people were believers that were, uh, that were persecuted, intense, intense pain for their faith. They are being persecuted for their faith. They were in a country, the current day Turkey. Can you imagine? All these places were full of believers, but right now they have been submerged under the force of uh, Islam. Now, we are choosing this book uh, to do the influence of the resurrection of Christ and, and the Spirit of God in, in, in our daily lives. Why? Because many people, many believers in our generation find themselves under a lot of... Um, suffering and torment and challenges and they seem to imagine that these viral deals are just something that is unique to them and this is why peter borrows the same language um in a uh, first peter chapter 4 verse 12 and he says beloved do not imagine that the viral deal that comes before you is something unique to you he says it is something that is common so friends basically that is what happens in this one verse uh, Peter points out five major things here that we shall be looking looking at uh, for us to bring out the essence of the resurrection of Christ and how uh, the resurrection of Christ is meant to bring meaning to our lives. About five things. He speaks of the new birth 
that brings a living hope through the resurrection of Christ. Now what he does is that he brings five things and he puts the resurrection of Christ at the center. In other words, he says the resurrection of Christ um, brings or brought forth a new birth. It continues to bring a new birth to those that need it. It gives a living hope and he speaks of it leading us into an imperishable inheritance and he speaks of our lives of faith being protected and lastly he speaks of a life of joy constant joy a rare type of joy not as what we believe to be joy today but a joy that is unshakable irrespective of the situation that you are undergoing so peter um points out that the resurrection of christ should be and is at the center of the new life that one has in christ and friends he seems to say that it is the epitome of life that that is what you basically need uh, praise the lord so as you ask yourself um what is the essence of the resurrection when i grew up it was days like easter when <laughs> you had a special way of enjoying your food enjoying sodas enjoying pork oh god have mercy you know all those special unique delicacies um were enjoyed on those big big days you see that on those big days that they were enjoyed on those big days um that is when you actually um enjoyed them so uh, should we simply eat our food and then wait for the next easter uh, and then we are like oh uh, that is another day why should we celebrate the resurrection of christ and then the following morning you're back into your usual routine you're back into the submergency of your problems you're back into your bondage why why should it make a difference if the bible speaks of it as the greatest of power that has ever been manifested in 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 matthew chapter uh, 27 uh, from verse 50 we see at the resurrection of christ we see dead men coming out we see graves being shattered and coming out uh, uh, dead men coming out now if god has that kind of power if that is the kind of power that he has why doesn't it impact our lives as believers i praise the lord so five things here uh, that peter speaks about and then he says all these are coming as a result of what of the resurrection of christ today i just want to uh, leave it at that uh, to introduce it and just to show you that the resurrection of christ is the greatest the greatest of things that will ever happen the essence of the resurrection when we speak of the resurrection what are we actually speaking about we are speaking of the divine uh, of, of the divine intervention or, or of the divine intervention of god into death as the greatest weapon of the devil bringing back christ to life and also subsequently believers in christ to life in other words when we speak of the resurrection we are speaking of god intervening in the course of life upsetting the greatest of power that there has ever been by the devil and upsetting it just putting it away you know nullifying the works of the devil nullifying the weapon and the greatest power that there is or they could ever be on the part of the devil by bringing back christ to life and subsequently uh, believers in christ to life uh, praise the lord so 
why is the resurrection the greatest? Today I'm just laying the foundation, and then tomorrow we shall get into the new birth, the other day into the living hope, the other day into the imperishable inheritance, and so on and so forth. Paul speaking of the essence of the resurrection in First Corinthians chapter 15 makes this very, very clear. Um, he says in First Corinthians 15, a verse must be um, 54, he says, um, he says uh, that um, when the perishable has been clothed uh, with the imperishable, speaking of our mortal bodies, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. You hear that? Where all death is your victory, where all death is your sting, the sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us uh, the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me just summarize this and wind up for today. I want you to listen to this. He, he says that, um, he mentioned three things here. And he says, the sting of death, is. he says, 55, where all death is your victory, where all death is your sting. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. You see, he makes the complete uh, continuum of the power and the arsenal of the devil here, and he puts, at, puts it at display, but also nullifies it so completely. Three things here. One, death. Two, uh, sin. Three, the law. You remember that in Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, the Bible speaks of God um, uh, warning man in the garden of Eden, and that was Adam, our forefather, and telling him that of the trees in the garden you may partake of, but of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, you shall not eat. For the day that you eat, you shall, thank you very much, die. You see that? Now, let me put this record straight. Death does not primarily come from the devil. No. Death was something that was instituted by God himself as a means of restraining man from sin. But it finally becomes the wages of sin when man got into death. Now, what does the devil do? The devil, knowing how divine principles work and understanding the faithfulness of our God, clung unto death as if it is him who had set it up, clung unto death and turned it into a weapon of a mass destruction to the human race. God pronounced death. And in any case, when Jesus comes to die on the cross, he is not coming as a retribution to the devil, not at all. It is something that had been pronounced by God and God alone. But the devil, knowing how divine principles work, he came and clung unto it, and he clung unto it as a weapon. But it is something that was pronounced by God. So the Bible teaches from that point um, in Romans 5.12 that just like through one man, death, um, uh, uh, sin came into the world and therefore death. From that point, every man is um, a, a registered and complete um, accredited candidate of death. And when we speak of death, we are not speaking of mere physical death. We are speaking of both physical and spiritual death. Now, man was irredeemably dead even when he was walking. Now, the problem was that at that point, um, at that point, when man sinned, eh, 
this is how it works. God pronounced um, initially, not the law as we know it, but it was a command. He told him, do not partake of what? Of the tree in the middle of the garden. Because if you do, that means if you disobey, you get into sin, you surely die. Three things. One, the command of the Lord and the requirement of uh, money submission to God, which man did not keep. So that is kind of the law. Um, only that uh, when Paul is speaking about it in Romans, he actually goes back to refer to um, the law as it was given in the first, uh, what we call covenant of Moses. But ideally, sin set in right in the Garden of Eden by man disobeying the command of God. Now two, by man disobeying the command of God, what is coming in? Sin. And then as a result, death is setting in. Praise the name of the living Savior who reigns in our lives. Death is setting in. Now, as a result of that, as a result of that, man was irredeemably and peaceful, um, disjointed, separated from God, um, peaceless. Why? Because of the separation from God. Failure to keep the command meant that man sinned and therefore sin separated man from God. That meant spiritual death. And secondly, it also ushered in physical death. But lastly, um, we, we see that that is uh, definitely working against the plan of God, the original plan of God of experiencing fellowship with um, God or eternal fellowship with God. Now, God teaches that the wages of sin is death. And for man to be redeemed they needed to be a perfect sacrifice um in the place of man and friends that sacrifice was not anywhere in the world and when you go to hebrews 10 4 it teaches you that it is impossible um speaking of the sacrifice the perfect sacrifice of christ he teaches you that it is impossible for um the sacrifice of animals and birds to be able to atone for the sin of man. And therefore he says, I have therefore come in um, the anointing of the word that was written about me to give a perfect sacrifice. The perfect sacrifice of Christ that comes out of the veil pointing to heaven, uh, you know, is the one that was able to uh, propitiate or to fulfill or to appease um, the requirement of God in as far as the death of man was concerned. Now, what does that mean? It means that God does not um, hold guilty anyone that believes in Christ. Why? Because in accordance with Christ himself and the word of the Lord, in Matthew 26, 26, 27, he says, for this is the blood of my new covenant that is shed for you and for many. For what? For the forgiveness of sin. For the Bible teaches, for without the shedding of blood, it is impossible for atonement to happen. For nearly all things uh, are cleansed by the shedding of blood. Hebrews 9.23. You understand that? Uh, so, when Christ came and died on the cross, as we remember, on Good Friday, now, that would not have been anything to uphold if Christ had not resurrected. Because by dying, he's dying unto sin, just like any other person was dying, even when his death was not exactly the death of um, any other person, or like the death of any other person. Why? Because Christ, one, was perfect. He did not have sin in 
him too. He gave his life. He did not have his life taken by sin. He gave his life to sin. This is why you see him on the cross and he says, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabak sani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then at the hour of three, he says, Father, into your hands I lay my spirit. He gave his life. So his death was very, very different. He's not dying because of sin. He's dying to sin. He wasn't sinful. Two, he's giving his life. You see that? So he, his is a saving death. You, you, you understand that? Now, all that is true and is important. But if Christ had not resurrected, if he had not resurrected, it would have meant that his life would also, um, or his, 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 his death would also uh, have been just like any other death, would have been under the power of death. You see, the devil would still have been an overcomer in one way or the other. But our victory lies in the fact that Christ Jesus resurrected. In 1 Corinthians 15, in verse um, 31, Bible teaches and says, I face death every day. Yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. 32, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus, which no more than human hopes, uh, with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. You see that? So in other words, he says, if Christ had not re resurrected, then would have been good to eat and drink. But now, once and for all, like Hebrews says, once to the consummation of the ages, Christ has offered his life as a living sacrifice once for the atonement of sin and he shall come back once again you know to give life unto those who believe in him you understand that my friend so by the resurrection of christ my point is simple the greatest of weapons the greatest undoing to human life was dealt away with and we are saying we should rejoice why because we have the greatest of saviors and because we have the restoration of life through the death of christ this is what peter is saying but we are merely laying a foundation tomorrow we shall look at the new birth in details and what this means but we are saying all this the new birth the living hope the imperishable inheritance um the joy that we have in Christ and the life that is protected are benefits that we get out of the resurrection of Christ. Today, we are we are speaking of the foundation and we've been laying um, the foundation in reference to the resurrection and what its meaning is. Friends, you have gotten the greatest of saviors. You have gotten the greatest of power within your life, as we've been saying. You cannot continue living the same after the greatest of power was made manifest in our lives and after uh, the devil was disenfranchised and after he was uh, disarmed his greatest of power was disarmed death was um disarmed and paul writing to the colossians says he was um he made a spectacle naswaziba a public spectacle uh, you know he beat the law beat the law uh, that, that, that we could not fulfill. Jesus Christ fulfilled, fulfilled his demands. And this is why he gives us a new law in the new covenant, which is a subject of another day. So friends, your, your problems, your challenges, your life, your questions, your burdens, your lack of hope, uh, your, your, your fears cannot continue upholding um, in your life. Why? Because when you go to Hebrews 2.14, he speaks of those that traditionally had fear for death and therefore doing all sorts of things as a result of death. 
And today, that cannot be. Why? Because you have the greatest of powers in your life, operating right in your life, and therefore we can uh, live freely in Christ Jesus. Friends, uh, that is the point that I've been struggling with to make today, but I want to believe that the Holy Spirit will make it good and bring it out in your life. Father, we bless you for the power of the cross. We bless you above all for the resurrection, because no one can speak of the resurrection except you. You say in John 11, 25, that I am the resurrection of the life, even when they call uh, the resurrection and the life, even when they called you, Lord, to Lord, uh, pray for Lazarus, you did not have to bother. Why? Because you are the resurrection and the life. You're being there before he dies and you're being there after he had died is one and the same thing because you're the resurrection and the life. May you encourage us and not to be under fear for anything. You overcame the law. You overcame death. You overcame sin. And therefore we can trust and believe in you and count on you. My heavenly savior, I pray for my sisters, my brothers that are worried about all those things that are going on in their lives. The fundamental human problem is to be traced to sin. It is to be traced to the law, failure to uphold the law. The law is okay and it is perfect. It is to be traced to death. And now today that you overcome all, you have overcome all those three, we can count on you. We can trust in you, O oh God. I am praying for my sister, my brother, who has not found the resurrection power in their lives, O oh God, that they may experience you today. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ, people that are worried, people that are fearful about things, you don't have to fear because the greatest power was overcome by our God. You don't have to fear death. You don't have to fear the result of sin. You don't have to fear all those other things that have come as a result of death because when people are out of Christ, they cannot live eternally and perpetually. And because of that, they get into sin. Because of that, they want to satisfy their own lives. Because of that, they hurt others to fulfill what cannot be fulfilled by those very things as a result of sin. But when we have the resurrection power of Christ in us, it fulfills us. And that is our prayer. Touch our lives so God renew us, redeem us, even as you are a God of glory that gives us a new birth, gives us a my king of glory, a living hope, gives us an imperishable inheritance, gives us a life that is protected and gives us joy in you. We bless you, king of glory. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. May God bless you through the resurrection power. And if you want to experience this resurrection power, it comes through the new birth, which comes by faith in Christ. Therefore, tell him, dear Lord, today I declare that I'm born again. I submit and give my life unto you. Father, may you come and abide in me through your Holy Spirit and give me the new birth by your spirit and the power of the resurrection. Give me that fellowship with you that makes me an overcomer. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. May the Lord bless you.